Kessler here from Grunthal. Paul Kingsley with the 30-second board to five. Brian, the gate is down. This is a sharp left-hander. Who's going to shot? Looks like Darcy Lange on that Richmond Gallup. Kawasaki gets the jump. That's where it all started. Big MX Radio is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. Fox Racing Canada, Phoenix Handlebars, Guts Racing, 204 Skate Shop, and Throttle Syndicate make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop on Big MX Radio. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast brought to you by Fox Racing Canada. Go to the website, check it out. Go to the... Download the catalog, memorize the damn thing, go to your local dealer and get yourself fitted for, by everything for bike or body when it comes to Fox Racing Canada. They got great stuff. You know they do. Phoenix Handlebars also with us. You can save 15% on phoenixhandlebars.com. Anything on the website, Big MX Radio 15 or Big MX 15 saves you 15%. And of course, Guts Racing. Uh, if you if you don't have a Guts Racing seat cover, what's wrong with you? You need to go get one. Uh, especially, they have seat bases, lightweight foams, uh, different... Uh, different uh, densities of foams. Uh, you need to go check that out. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With me on the line, a guy who had himself a whale of a weekend down in Muddy Creek for the 6th annual Cody Gregg Memorial Race. Uh, I actually had Cody Gregg on this show shortly uh, this, the same summer he unfortunately passed. Um, and uh, he was a great interview. He's a great guy. And another great guy to have on the podcast is the winner of his Memorial Race, the 6th annual, none other than Matt Burkeen. Matt, how's it going? It's going great. I appreciate you guys having me on. And uh, wow, it's, it's cool to see that, that you had my boy Cody on the show. I'm going to have to go back and listen to that one after I'm done with this call. Absolutely. I'll, uh, I'll send you the link to it. Uh, it was the, yeah. it, it was, it was, go ahead. I, I was just saying, please do. It'd be cool to hear his voice again, man. I miss those guys. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was a pleasure to have had him on. Um, and, uh, and yeah, he was racing is like, it was very much similar to, uh, to your program right now, man. YZ 252 stroke racing the nationals, making noise, uh, and honestly doing some really good, uh, uh, getting some really good results on that thing. Uh, not totally unlike yourself, uh, racing those nationals, uh, was, what's that? I guess that would have been 2017, 2016. Uh, I think 17 was the year that he passed. So I think it might've been 16, but I, I do know, um, whichever year it was, I know he got like a 13th in the mud at Bud's Creek. So I know that was that's right. performance. That's right. That's right. Um, but yeah, so like you raced Muddy Creek this last weekend, you raced the nationals this last uh, year, uh, at least quite a few of them, uh, on a YZ 252 stroke. Uh, the bike looked great. You were making, uh, some serious noise on that on and off the track. Um, and, and uh, probably developing quite the fanfare, which, uh, which helps out, uh, creating uh, some 
uh, buzz around your uh, riding clinics and stuff like that. I know you work with some kids. Um, what's new and exciting in the world of Matt Burkeen? Um, Well, definitely uh, this, this past weekend was definitely an exciting one at Muddy Creek. Um, as far as um, what's new, um, just, um, finished up the outdoors this year and, um, you know, after the outdoors are over in the fall is a really good time for, for money racing. Um, a lot of promoters are putting on big pro purses, um, like the one that we just had at Muddy Creek this past weekend. I think it was, uh, I think it was like a total of, of $40,000 throughout the whole weekend that was given away. So, um, like that was a big one. Um, there's a couple of, um, good ones this weekend. And then next weekend there's, um, one in Pennsylvania. Um, and then there's one at the verb classic. Um, there's another one the following weekend, um, that's like an hour from me. So that, that's basically what I'm in right now. Um, it's, it's a good time to be a, a money racer in the fall for sure. Certainly. And like, honestly, when I, when I talk to a lot of privateers, uh, they echo the statement that you just made is that, uh, a lot of them, they, they race the AMA series, the Supercross and some outdoor nationals throughout the year. Obviously those are the, the biggest events, uh, throughout the calendar, but their bread and butter is racing some, some of these money races either between nationals or, uh, or, or kind of during the quote unquote off season, um, and uh, th- this is high time to uh, to take in some some events uh, like the Verb Classic, uh, like the, the the event that you were at this last weekend at Muddy Creek. Uh, go put some uh, some some dollar bills in your uh, in your pocket, and you were able to do exactly that. Not only knocking down some hole shots, but uh, going ahead and winning an event that previously your best finish was a seventh. How the heck did you make that happen? Yeah, I, I still uh, I still kind of can't believe it. Um, you know, being that I'm a two-stroke guy and like that's all that I ride I've, I've had my eyes on on trying to win this race for a long time and I've done it three times previous and got a uh, eighth eighth and seventh so to go eight eight seven and then one was this year was just like pretty incredible um you know the previous three years there was always just um there was a different reason every year why I wasn't able to make it happen um the first year I just wasn't near fast enough the second year I was fast enough the whole weekend but um, ended up getting a horrible start. My bike kind of bogged coming out of the gate and it's a short race. So I was, um, kind of out of luck on that one. And then last year I raced with a pretty messed up hand. So every year there was just a different obstacle in the way where, um, this year I had a little bit of a shoulder issue, um, in May earlier this year. But other than that, I've been able to put together a pretty healthy year. And then, um, doing the seven outdoors also helped me build a really, really good base too on the bike because, um, I don't, I don't really practice hardly ever. I just race because, um, practicing, you spend money and racing, you make money. So I, I mostly just train off the bike and then race on the weekends. Um, so, a, a weekend like this was, was huge for me. Um, I, it just was really about everything coming together, I think, and, um, was able to nail down that whole shot. And it, it was a short race on a track that I know really well. So it, um, it felt like it came um, a little bit easy to me. Like it, it almost still feels surreal. Just, just how perfect it really went, how I was just able to get out front and kind of just, just get away and ride my own race. Um, in the past, those races have been absolute dog fights. So, um, it, it felt really good to kind of run away with it. It certainly does, man. And I, I think that uh, like we talk about this off air, you putting in those seven nationals on a two stroke uh, throughout the summer, that's got to put you in a good position to be that much more comfortable racing and uh, and, and just getting up to your potential 
like your top race pace on a two-stroke versus, uh, say, a guy like uh, Kyle Bitterman, who uh, I think you had a little bit of a run-in with this last weekend, um, who put, might put more time, or at least the majority of his time, on a four-stroke. Uh, because riding a two-stroke is not, not only it's, it's more difficult, it, it, there's just more involved in, in making it go fast. Uh, they jump differently. They, they corner differently. And I don't think you, this, this is something you might be able to uh, uh, like confirm or deny on me. But when you're racing like these nationals, most of the time, like all of the ruts are formed by four strokes. You're having to race four stroke lines on a two stroke, which doesn't always work out. Whereas a race like this, all of the a lot of the lines would have been set in by 252 strokes, which they're going to flow a little bit differently. They're going to apex the corners differently. And I think that really might have uh, fallen into uh, some of your strengths uh, and one of the reasons why you were able to take this win. Yeah, I think um, more than anything for me, the biggest thing is just the track prep. You know, I um, like I said before, I mostly just race like every weekend. Like that's how I get my practice. So um, I'm really, really comfortable on like how the conditions are at the racetracks around, you know, my neighboring states and the series that I race where um, the nationals, I did nationals back in 2014, but, um, you know, it's been eight years um, until this year that I went out there. So um, just the fact that how deep and how deep they rip it and how wet it is. And the fact that there's 90 people in each class that are, you know, top level, it's just the track. It's absolutely insane. You know, I, I really felt like I was using more brake pads than I was fuel at the nationals. Cause there was just, the track was just so gnarly. And I felt like if I sent it, like I do on the local level, I, I didn't think I was going to make it very long before I woke up in a hospital somewhere. So it's just, it's uh more than anything it's just nice for me to be back on conditions that I'm comfortable on because this summer I was I felt like a fish out of water big time so um next year when I do the nationals again I've I've got some plans to um try to get myself a lot more ready in advance because this year I I didn't come in near prepared enough which part of that was from a shoulder injury so it wasn't you know all um, it wasn't lack of effort or anything like that, but, um, now that I know what I'm up against for next year, I think we, we will be able to have a lot better of a game plan to come in and, um, do some real damage. Cause I felt like I was decent in qualifying, but, um, I never, never rode even close to my potential in the race. I didn't think. Well, that's uh, discouraging to hear you weren't able to uh, to be at top flight for the motos, but uh, good to hear you've got a, a plan to, for attack for the 2023 season. Um, why race two strokes? Why why be why are you more comfortable on that machine than you are on a four stroke? Um, and and why choose the Yamaha? Um, well, it all started. Um, I want to say this has been a little more than three years ago. Um, I hadn't had a bike in probably six months or so and was just going to college and had a regular job and was just living like a normal person and was really missing riding. I, I wasn't really worried about racing. I just was wanting to ride. And I got a YZ250 um, from a friend of mine, uh, Andrew Williams. He's from the same town as me now, but I ended up getting a bike from him. It was a 2014 that I got for like $3,000. It was like pre-owned by a couple of different people. And, um, you know, when I bought it, I, I didn't even plan on racing or anything. Like I just bought it to ride with my friends and, and just have a good time. And I rode a few times and just felt so comfortable on it and had so much fun on it that I couldn't help it within a couple of weeks. I was back to racing. Um, and just the, you know, now that I, I have a 450 now too, ever since, um, outdoors, I got it to try to use for the money races. And 
the biggest thing now that I have both is, is just the weight. You know, I, I get on that 450 and I can't put it wherever I want it, where that two stroke, I hop right on it and I can put it exactly where I want it. It's light. I can, you know, muscle it around. And, you know, I feel like I'm more of a passenger on the 450 where the two stroke, I feel like I'm in charge. So um, I actually was riding at South of the border before Muddy Creek and was riding my 450, not really feeling very comfortable. And then, I hopped on a two-stroke that I was just borrowing, hadn't even set the sag or anything. Suspension was set up for 50 pounds heavier than me, and I was immediately like two seconds a lot faster on the two-stroke. So um, part of it has got to be that I'm just used to it over the years, but it definitely, um, now that I've rode both, it confirmed my belief that it's my favorite bike for sure. That's that's encouraging to hear, man. Like, And, and it was awesome to see you all season long uh, for the 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 nationals you did race, uh, racing that two stroke. And I got to imagine the guys who you're racing against put a little bit extra mustard, uh, on a past or, or, uh, fight for that position. Even if it's for 33rd, uh, knowing that, uh, the buzzing two stroke, um, it might pass them. And honestly, like I, I, I can't, <laughs> I'd have a hard time if, uh, if I was like racing a fully built up four stroke, uh, riding at the, at the best of my ability. And I have a, 252 stroke go ripping by me late in a moto like that might retire some guys like i'm not even kidding you like you you might like have been the reason why a few guys don't rate the race the nationals next year uh just out of pure sadness yeah i don't know i i uh to be completely transparent i, I didn't make the most passes in outdoors this year um for the most part i was struggling in the motos and um, I probably got past a lot more than I got past, but there was definitely some passes I made where um, I could definitely tell they were fighting me off and they could hear what was behind them. Um, but I think who really probably made people retire this year, um, shout out to Carson Brown, because yes. at Washougal, that dude was going so damn fast. He came by me and um, I never saw him again. I couldn't believe how fast he was going. And um, I think he, he got like a 15th or something in one of those motos. So if anyone was making anyone retire, I think it was probably him. Yeah, honestly, like uh, how fast he goes on a pit bike kind of makes me feel like I should uh, hang up the boots as far as racing dirt bikes because uh, I'm fairly certain that if he was on a uh, an XR50, I think he's got five seconds a lap on me, even on my bike. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, what nationals did you hit this last uh, this last summer? Why did you choose those particular races? And uh, And might you choose to do a few more in the coming years? So my original plan was High Point, Redbud, um, Millville, Unadilla, Bud's Creek, and Ironman. Um, and I ended up doing those six. And then I added Washougal too, because um, I was going all the way to Millville. And I figured if I was going to go all the way there, I was halfway to Washougal. And um, I've kind of always wanted to go to Washougal. Like it's kind of a bucket list track that, you know, I never got to go to whenever I was younger. And I you know how it is. You only live once. You never know if I'll ever have the chance to, to do this again. So I, I pulled the trigger on Washougal too, just to, to make a bucket list trip. And, and I definitely thought it was worth it. So I ended up doing seven total. Um, I skipped Southwick in the middle because um, with it being deep sand, I figured I would probably blow my bike up. And instead I went to do a money race in Ohio and just blew my bike up there. So everything worked out. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, no, you can't avoid, uh, the, like when you, you try and do your best efforts to avoid situations like that and the motocross gods slap your hand every single time. Uh, yeah, it should have just ended up uh, going to 
DeWick, even though apparently you're not uh, a, a sand specialista. Um, what is your specialty? What, where are you most comfortable uh, in the conditions? Obviously, you said the track prep at Muddy Creek was like right up your alley. Um, where, where do you find, like if, if there's a, a particular track or is it the, is it the bike prep or the track prep in general, you walk out on the track and be like, yeah, this is my day. Um, ironically, Muddy Creek is one place that I usually think that at, um, just because, um, the victory sports series, they, they race at Muddy Creek a lot and pretty much every time they race, I'm there. So, um, I'm at Muddy Creek six, seven, eight, nine, maybe even 10 times a year racing. So, um, that's probably like the track where I'm most comfortable on. So it's a bummer for me that they don't still have the national because I feel like I could do really good there. Um, but I think just um honestly the like less gnarly conditions you know with the nationals there's just ruts everywhere and i i feel like i'm a little better when i have some uh some room to move around so i think i really struggle when it's um just like rut to rut to rut um where when it's a little bit more open and you can change lines i think that's what i'm better at Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, so take us through this last weekend, and and before before you take me through like moto for moto, corner by corner, um, let's imagine that myself as well as the thousands of people listening are huddled around your motorcycle. Give us a tour. I want I want a a, a virtual tour of uh, your YZ two fifty two stroke. Uh, what are some cool bits on it? Uh, what are some like give us give me a bike tour right now. I can actually do that pretty quick for you. There's not a whole lot done to it. Um, it is a it is a 2022 YZ250. Um, it has um, a little bit of head and cylinder work by JMS, who's out of Indiana. Um, he's always done really trusty work for me. So it's got a, a head and cylinder done by him. Um, it's got some V-Force reeds, um, the Race Tech Gold Valve suspension done by Maynard Racing Performance. Um, and let me think um a big old 52 rear sprocket for that bottom end um and then this weekend for the first time in my entire life in 26 years i bought race gas and um i ran vpt2 in it so that i think that helped give it a little bit of extra oomph too but um yeah that's all that's all that uh that's all that's in her there you go. I think that's an ad for uh, for VP Racing Fuels right then and there. Finally bought some uh, some VP race gas and it took me to a win. And you can certainly afford a little bit more race gas uh, after uh, after knocking down uh, some race wins, man. Um, that was a, a nice little um, payday to to win that race on top of uh, getting the whole shot. Like, what was what was the whole shot worth? So I think the whole shot was uh, nine hundred thirty three dollars, and I'm not sure how how exactly that they got that figure but it's cool with me because that's a lot of money getting a whole shot um but yeah the whole shot was 933 bucks so even just crossing that white line first like i actually think i like screamed going down the hill like i was so excited no kidding like uh, what like how long is the average start maybe like five seconds so like hourly like that's your hourly rate on that whole shot is is in the thousands that's pretty good yeah, I definitely no complaints here, and and especially, um, I was saying I had my eye on that race for a while. I really had my eye on at the very least that whole shot award for a while because as much as I raced at Muddy Creek and um, I feel like I've always been a good starter throughout my whole life. I, um, I guess it's kind of fitting that I waited for the, I waited to do it, um, the whole shot and the win both in the same year. No kidding. Yeah, just complete domination. Who did you battle most closely with? I saw like uh, uh, Bitterman ended up uh, 
colliding into the back of you uh, at some point, or maybe that I'm thinking of a, the wrong video, but uh, either way, it looked like there was some tight racing. Um, so I had a lot of good battles with, uh, Chris Canning, um, to be completely okay. honest, I think, I think he probably had the most speed of the weekend. Um, he was absolutely ripping Yeah, he um, rips going, on two into stroke. The, going into the two stroke race. I kind of knew that, um, I needed Canning to not start up front for me to, to be able to pull it off. And he, he had some issues in the qualifying race. So he had a bad, a bad gate pick. So, um, he ended up coming out not too great. So, um, I think he was like my main competition. Um, I had some really good battles too with like Justin Rodbell, um, some really good ones with Luke Neese, um, Brandon Cher, um, a lot of them with Fitterman. He was riding really good and he's um he's the two time defending champ of that race. So I knew he was gonna be good like he always is. Um when there's when there's a lot of money and, and uh when it's on the line, Bitterman's always lights out. So um and he was getting better all weekend. So I definitely had my eye on him as well. Um I'm trying to think um, who else. There was some good ones. Even uh, Ezra Hastings was riding really well. Um, even the old man, Mike Brown, was out there. I didn't really have any battles with him, but Brownie was still in the mix. Um, Jared Lesher. Um, shoot, there was there was all kinds of them out there, man. It was deep. That's sick. And honestly, like, hey, like a guy like Mike Brown, like you're racing Mike Brown in 2022. Mike Brown turned pro. I believe it probably his first pro race was at, probably at Muddy probably Creek. About, probably about 1940, right? <laughs> 1989. Like, I, I don't know what year you were born, but that's like literally probably almost a decade before you were born. Yeah, I was 96. That's crazy. Yeah. Like, by 96, Brownie has like raced for multiple years on different teams. I think at that year he was on uh, the Honda of Troy team along with Swink and uh yeah like it that's absolutely ridiculous and yeah he's still racing and like in any way shape or form close to you like that is that's essentially like Bob Hanna still racing in the mid 2000s like yeah he's such a legend <laughs> yeah, like, he I, totally is this is actually um admittedly this is the first weekend that I ever have truly had Brownie covered. Um, I haven't really raced him a whole lot in the last year or two because he's been, um, I'm sure his time's been taken up down at Alden Baker's with his job. Um, but all the past times I've raced him, like he always beats me. So this was the first weekend that I actually had him covered. So um, I guess it was it actually even the last moto of the weekend, which it was after I had already won all the money. So um, like if I was kind of emotionally wrecked, but even, um, he actually did beat me in the last moto. So the dude still got it. This <laughs> totally, certainly still has it. Um, like when you're at these races or even throughout a lot of the times racing some of these money races, uh, is, is a guy like, uh, Chris Canning, someone you run into quite often. Like you guys are around the same age. Uh, a lot, you go both have a ton of speed. Is that, uh, is like him and, and who else do you, uh, do you happen to kind of like link bars with quite often? So this, this, I think was like the first time I've really ever battled with Chris in my entire okay. life. Um, cause he is a totally wrong. older than me and he's from, he's from way up in new England. So, um, I've, I've raced him at the nationals, but he's been doing a lot better than me. So like, I don't even really know if I could say we were racing together. Um, but that, that was my first time I've 
um, really raced with him. Um, in the last few weeks, I've had some pretty good races with Luke Neese, who he's also been riding the YZ250, and um, he lives in the same area. So he and I have been having some some good races lately. Um, another one that he's really, really tough to deal with, um, and he's at all the money races, but um, I think he's hurt right now, and, he's, and he luckily got a ride, so he's got bigger fish to fry now, but Marshall Welton is probably the biggest one. Um, every time I try to go to a money race, he's always there, and he's always tough to beat, so that that's probably the one that I see the most at all these money races, but now he's got other stuff going on, so hopefully he um, can take a little break from all that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, so let's talk about you working with some kids. Um, and, and it's like not totally unlike a program, sort of like an AJ Catanzaro. He, his bread and butter, I'd imagine the, mo- mo- the majority of the money that he makes is not only off of YouTube, but also uh, holding riding clinics and, uh, and, and putting uh, his, his stamp on, uh, on shaping some, some younger riders. What do you, obviously you get money out of that, but uh, like what kind of utility do you get out of being able to help young riders, um, help them get that sort of aha moment when they go from being uh, like one of the slower kids to uh, like starting to get faster all the time. And they started to learn some of the lessons that you've been trying to instill in them. Um, That must be a really, really uh, uh, rewarding thing to be able to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, obviously, um, you know, we, we have to work to make money, but um, whenever I do riding schools and whenever I train kids, it really doesn't feel like I'm working. Um, I just, I have a lot of passion for it and I really, um, I really enjoy helping people. And I feel like me teaching people how to ride is like the best way I'm able to help people with the knowledge and skill sets that I have. So um, it, it, like you said, the word rewarding, it's just super, super rewarding to see people figure stuff out and, and how stoked they get whenever they learn how to ride faster and safer. Um, and that's, that's another big thing too, is, um, you know, people getting hurt is one of the big things that, that makes people leave the sport or keeps people from the sport. So, um, I, I try to pride myself on, um, teaching people good technique and, and how to ride safer. So they stay in the sport, um, you know, as long as they possibly can, because getting hurt ain't good for anybody, especially the older we get, the worse it gets. So, um, I really, I really enjoy trying to do that. And then I also, I just, I remember, you know, I've, I've grown up racing motocross my whole life. And, um, I remember being a young kid looking up to even the local pros and the national pros. And I just, it means a lot to me to be able to help kids and um, people around my area on a personal level, because I know I would have killed to do that whenever I was younger. And, and like I said, I just remember looking up to those people and I'm, I'm just blessed to, to be in that position where people look up to me. So I just really enjoy helping out. So who are some of the kids that you work with? And, and I'm sure there's some kids that have shown some, some marked improvements in starting to work with you. Um, so there's a couple kids that are from my area um Carson and Griffin Shelton that I work with it's actually been a while since I have worked with them just because I've been so busy with my schedule um so they're they're a couple kids that they've improved incredibly they actually um they only started racing a few years ago and they're almost to the level where they can make it to Loretta's now so um that's really cool there's another kid that it's been a, a few years since I've trained him because he's moved but his name is Braxton Mez he rides uh 65 and um, he actually just won, I think, a title or two down at Ponca City. So I was really, really stoked and proud of him for that. Um, there's a bunch of other local kids that, you know, all levels, you know, fast or uh, you know, um, novice, which, whichever, you know, I, I try to help anybody I can. Um, and 
and I just try to preach to them that, that everybody's got to start somewhere. And, you know, no matter how good you are, if you're better than you were when you started that day, then, then that's the goal. So that, that's really what I, what I try to do for all these kids is just, just help them get better than they started. Fair enough. Yeah. Like sense of mastery is something that's so strong within the sport as well as just anything in life. We will want to keep doing the things that we're good at. We we're uh, if we excel at them uh, and we're, uh, constantly learning new skills on top of just being like more safe on a motorcycle. Obviously you want to go faster, but, um, like I find the more comfortable you get on the motorcycle, obviously you're going to push up, push up the pace. Uh, but you're also going to be able to, uh, maneuver the bike in, in the safest way possible. Obviously, uh, pushing, pushing the pace and, and going faster, we lap over lap, but, um, someone who has good technique, um, stands to like give themselves a chance to hold a little bit more longevity within the sport uh if you're doing so in the safest way possible um what would you say is the the most important lesson to learn with it when it comes to being safe on a motorcycle or acquiring new skills like what is something that you're having to come back to kids over and over and over again to uh, to really make sure that they're doing um on a consistent basis so this is something that I, I've only even really learned this myself, like in the last year or so. And it's not even um, really like a technique based thing or anything. I think it's just more of like a general guideline. Um, but what I try to preach to people is that you can't, you can't do too much too fast. You know, you, you um, getting better in the sport or really anything, it's a slow process and you have to kind of do it little by little. Um, so I try to tell people you, you have to play the long game. You can't be short-sighted because um, whenever you try to rush it and you're short-sighted, you're only worried about today and tomorrow. That's whenever you do, um, you know, bad stuff happens, you get hurt. And I've definitely learned in the last five, six years that whenever you're hurt, you're not getting faster. You're not progressing. You're not. And for like somebody like me, you're not able to make any money. So um, that's my biggest thing is, is be smart and play the long game and, um, yeah, just be patient and, and try to get better little by little. And, um, it sounds super, super cliche, but you do kind of have to trust the process. It just takes some time. Fair enough. Moto memes is just going nuts on trusting that process. Love it. My friend, um, like I said earlier in the show, uh, I recently had Jordan Smith on. He came on and he was uh, talking all kind of crap on you. No, he wasn't. Actually, he said you were awesome. You, you guys were battling nonstop on amateurs and a guy that you raced with quite a bit. Um, who, like, get, I need your best uh, Jordan Smith story. The kid is an absolute cartoon character. One of my favorite guys to have on the show uh, just because he's, uh, he's very real. He gives a good interview and, and he has a great story within the sport. Uh, but uh, I, I need you to throw him under the bus right now. I can definitely do that. Okay. Um, I'll start, I'll start with, with something else I got to throw out before I give you my Jordan Smith story, but okay. I, it, this just popped in my head. Um, because me and Jordan and, uh, Cody Gregg, we were all good friends and, um, I'll never forget where I was whenever I heard that Cody and Chris had passed away. And I'm not sure if you know this or not, but that was actually the same night that, um, Jordan won his first Supercross. So that was like, it's just insane. Like that, that had just happened. And, uh, Cody and Chris were watching over him for his first win. It just, it, it's crazy how things in life work like that. So I just had to share that because I, I just remembered it and it's still unbelievable no to kidding. this day. Um, but I think my favorite Jordan Smith story, this, this probably, we were like seven or eight years old at um, just this local North Carolina state championship race. And 
Um, I think he probably remembers this story better than I do, but I remember it a little bit, but um, he has a couple of younger brothers and um, he and I were just in the motorhome, I guess, by ourselves. And his mom and dad came in and he and I were trying on his brother's diapers. <laughs> Good Lord. That is, yeah. that is a, <laughs> that is a mental image that I, I, I think I'm, I might have to, it's going to take some time to unsee that. Yeah, I mean, luckily you don't know probably what we looked like whenever we were eight. So I guess you can just kind of like try to unvisualize it. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, absolutely. So like, did did they fit well, or was it or was there stretchable material? I, Am I asking too many questions I, about I, this? I can't. I can't imagine it went very well. If I had to guess, um, and okay. I, I actually had. I had forgotten about it for a long time. And then um, on Facebook, like, I don't remember how long ago this was, but it's been a few years. Um, I had, it was one of those statuses that people shared. It was like, um, you know, share a memory you have with me or whatever. And I posted it. And that was what Jordan had posted. He was like, I remember when we were trying on diapers in the motorhome. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen at a, at a state, uh, state uh, championship race, especially when you get uh, a couple of uh, would be, uh motocross champions uh like in a, in a motorhome with diapers you never you never quite know um what do you think aside from that particular story what do you think uh his best story for for you would be hmm, dang i am not sure about that one i'd i'd probably have to have some time to think about that um yeah i'm not i'm not sure i'm totally at a, at a loss on this one what about what? What's your best Cody Gregg story? Since since we're we're talking about uh, uh, the great late uh, Cody Gregg, I, I you you you've got to have a, a Cody Gregg story. Oh man, I've got so many Cody Gregg stories. Um, I'm not sure. I I probably won't be able to think of the best one right now, just because there's so many. But one that comes to mind just quickly. This is the kind of guy that like he was just just such a funny country dude. Um, we were, we were at a dinner at a race, um, with a bunch of people and, um, it, it was, it was going really slow and like the service was just really bad. And, um, it was just kind of a disaster. And, uh, somebody asked somebody what was wrong at the table. And, uh, somebody was like, Oh, I think he's just mad because, uh, because the service sucks. And Cody looks at us, he goes, what the hell are y'all talking about? I've got five bars. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, you guys! Funny man, I I can only uh, imagine. Yeah, like we uh, at all the old uh, the amateur nationals back in the day. um, We would all always um, convene at the Grags motorhome, and we would all play like huge games of Uno in their motorhome. In their motorhome, like me and Jordan and Cody, and just like all the friends that we had at the track. Like that's where we would always gather and. and hang out at night um so it's just we and we have so 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 many memories with with the grags and um like i said before i i will never ever forget where i was whenever i heard about what had happened to them so that that's that's a lot of the reason why why it meant so much to to be able to do what i did this weekend in honor of them certainly uh, yeah to have that uh have that trophy with your name on it uh someone who had a, a close personal relationship uh, with the family, with him specifically, uh, that's got that had to have meant a lot to you. Uh, like the 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 pictures of you on the podium are that of uh of of total elation. But I, I assume that there there must have been some some like uh, mixed uh, emotions in there as well. Like uh, um like just memories from a, a friend of yours that's uh, unfortunately no longer with us. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, after the race, I uh, I was just stoked and went across the finish line, hit the next jump and threw the bike down and was like just fist pumped into the crowd and uh, looked up at the sky and fist pumped to Cody and Chris. And man, I, I did like a victory lap to ride to the podium and I was about to crash. I had tears in my eyes. I couldn't hardly see where I was going. It was, it was just like, it was emotions I've never felt my entire life, you know, just, just everything combined, you know, obviously the, the money was huge for me. It was big competition. It was like a big accomplishment for me. And then um, the biggest thing doing it for them, it was, it was just huge. Like I, I don't know if I'll ever be able to replicate that feeling again. It was incredible. That's awesome, man. Well, I hope you are able to uh, to replicate that uh, somewhere down the line. But uh, it, it was a pleasure to to have had you on to to sort of discuss not only the race, but get to know you a little bit as well, and uh, and and sort of uh, go down memory lane not only with uh, Cody Gregg, but uh, a guy like Jordan Smith as well. Uh, hopefully, he has himself a, a solid year with Star Racing, and uh, yeah, maybe you'll be battling him with uh, with him. Uh, uh, I guess you, if you're on, you you wouldn't be on a 125 uh, nah. ne- next summer. That's that's not happening. Uh, but either way, maybe you'll you'll see each other in the pits at uh, at an outdoor national next year. I sure hope so, and I I hope for his sake. I hope we're not battling. I hope he stays at a level way above mine, so he uh, so he gets those championships that he's deserved. I've always been a huge fan of my boy Jordan, and um he's one of the good guys you know he's gotten all the rides and gotten the wins and um he hasn't changed he's always been as cool as he ever was back when we were seven eight years old doing stupid stuff in his motorhome so um i i've always been a huge fan i was you know beyond stoked that he got the star ride and i think that's going to be what he needs to catapult him to some championships so i think you and i both are looking forward to that he's the man Certainly, no, I I completely agree. Uh, he's a salty of the earth kind of guy. He's uh, uh, he, he always returns a text, even if he can't do the podcast or if he's busy or whatever. Uh, we we chat about fantasy football, and I think he's got three teams that are all doing worse than mine uh, so far. No big <laughs> deal. Uh, but uh, either way, yeah, great go, right, great guy. Um, you fantasy football guy? Uh, no, sir, I actually am not. Um, I only do fantasy motocross. Fair enough. Are you good at it? I so for a while I was pretty good at it but now there's so many dang people playing I I think I've kind of lost my edge especially um being that I was at the races this summer I I never had enough service to fix my team so yeah um, this summer was of a disaster but I've had some good luck with it in the past I've made some money off of it but nice um, nothing crazy yeah nothing crazy but a little bit's always better than nothing Right on. Well, I think Jordan plays too. I think he 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 does so on a as an alias, just so he can make sure that no one knows he's he's uh, he's out there, and maybe th- just throws together a Wednesday team and uh, and rolls the dice. But uh, awesome, Matt. Well, this was a lot of fun. I uh, I really appreciate you making the time to chat with me today. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you guys uh, having me on, and uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And um yeah looking forward to if we ever do it again and um yeah thank you guys thank you everyone for listening and thank you guys for letting me tell the story appreciate it no problem at all my my friend and if anyone uh, is in your area and uh and wants to get in touch with you for uh, some riding uh schools uh, how do they go about doing so um so the best way is either my facebook which um is just matt i think just matt burkeen on there and then um my instagram also is just at matt burkeen um those are the two best ways to get up with me um ever since this uh the cody Gregg race, my phone's kind of been getting blown up but 
Um, usually I'm pretty good at um, getting back to people pretty quickly. So that, that would be the best way. And um, anybody that has any interest at all, um, even if you just want to try me out, um, you know, I, I would love to, to help anybody, any, any size bike, any uh, skill level, um, anybody, I would love to help. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm into it. Love it, man. Well, hopefully, uh, once the phone uh, uh, settles down a minute, uh, people will listen to this, dial you up, and uh, yeah, it gets uh, get some more uh, uh, throttle therapy going. So uh, yeah, like I said, appreciate the time, man. Thanks, thanks, thanks so much. Sounds good. Thank you, Brad. All right, cool. Uh, that's the podcast, man. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Hell yeah, man! I- Thank you for listening to the Big MX Radio Podcast. Brought to you by Fox Racing Canada, Phoenix Handlebars, and Guts Racing. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode and will want to check out some of our archived episodes. Over 870 episodes available for you. Go check out the website BigMXRadio.com. Follow on Instagram, BigMXRadio, or at BradGebhart88. And thanks for everybody for checking out this episode. It means a lot to me. Have a great day.